0: Diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives continue to plague the higher education system in our country, our good old boy Stephen Crowder is facing allegations of domestic abuse, and Tennessee is being sued by the federal government for passing a law that protects children from gender-affirming surgeries and hormone treatment. Let's get into it, guys. Warning the following program contains critical thinking, honest opinions, viewpoints on culture that may seem conservative, and a positive view on absolute detestable things such as marriage and children. Listener discretion is advised. Good afternoon morning evening whatever it is for you right now uh welcome back to subtle rampage podcast where we discuss the things that i want to discuss uh typically those are things of a cultural or political nature sometimes i venture off into the realm of faith and christianity or you know digging into the meaning behind a word just depends on what i feel like discussing it really does because you know i I control this because i'm the center of attention in my own endeavors and i enjoy it anyways um i hope you are joining me today with a bit of a positive peachy attitude because as we all know there's nothing like politics and cultural issues and the culture war going on in america to kind of you know get you a little bit of a negative outlook towards the world give you a little bit of a disappointment in humanity you know um so you know i hope you are duly prepared for discussing things of a serious nature, because that's what we're gonna be doing today. The first thing I wanna talk about is the fact that Tennessee is being sued by the Federal Department of Justice. For what, you may ask? Well, that's a great question. For simply wanting to protect kids from being like, you know, mutilated (laughs) before they're even old enough to make certain decisions. Like, dude, I'm not even old enough to decide whether I want to poison myself with alcohol. Um, But, you know, if I was like, you know, 10 years younger than I am right now, I could possibly be old enough to decide if I want to live as a man for the rest of my life. You know, these are just the kind of inconsistencies that we're dealing with. It's really a pleasure. It's really fun. Um, As you can tell by the excitement in my voice and the expression on my face, I'm sure. Anyways. The U.S. Department of Justice is suing to block a new Tennessee state law banning transgender surgical procedures for minors. Now, the law, SB01, Senate Bill 1, does not only banned surgical procedures for minors it it, it bans gender affirming treatment for minors in general so that means hormone therapy that means surgeries um, i'm pretty sure it means gender affirming therapy because that's not really therapy for the record but any any sort of treatment that is done in the name of affirming a child in the idea that they are not the biological sex that they were born as any any treatment that you know contributes to them living as a sex that is not what they were born as, pretty much, is uh, what is in the bill. Now, uh, Governor Bill Lee, my my favorite man on planet Earth, I'm joking, obviously, um, <laughs> I, I always find it interesting when people from other states will say certain things. They'll be like, oh, I, I know when I was living in Texas, everybody would always be like, oh, Governor Abbott, Governor Abbott, he's so great, oh my gosh, and I'm just kind of sitting there like, um, Well, see, I live in Texas and, you know, and I'm watching what Governor Abbott is doing and I'm not really a fan um, because, believe it or not, sometimes national coverage does not tell you what is actually going on in a state. Sometimes national coverage does not tell you um, what a person is actually like towards their constituents. So I'm just saying. Um, Governor Bill Lee, I feel like, is a prime example of... uh, getting reelected because people know his name you know like there's everybody knows governor bill lee's name everybody knows um the (laughs) lee company okay you see the vans like driving around the state like on the interstate all the time um his, his name is very very familiar to people and the thing is is like who's gonna run against him like there there hasn't been like obviously a good enough republican candidate to run against lee and you know good luck if a democrat candidate wins it's just kind of like what do you do in this situation but somebody else i i'm i'm looking forward to the day when bill lee is not governor of tennessee dude needs to like find another find another thing to do besides govern this state into the ground Anyways, um, he made a little statement on this suit, saying, Tennessee is committed to protecting children from permanent life-altering decisions. This is federal overreach at its worst, and we will work with Attorney General Skirmetti. That's an interesting name right there. Skrmetty. S-K-R-M-E-T-T-I. Correct me on the pronunciation if I'm off here. But anyways, we will work with Attorney General Scametti to push back in court and stand up for children. Um, And then this is the release from the federal DOJ themselves. It says, the complaint alleges that SB1's ban on providing certain medically necessary care to transgender minors violates the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. By denying only transgender youth access to these forms of medically necessary care while allowing non-transgender minors access to the same or similar procedures, SB1 discriminates against transgender youth. And then what I found most interesting about the DOJ's press release is they go on to say this, the civil rights division of the justice department will continue to aggressively challenge all forms of discrimination and unlawful barriers faced by the LGBTQI plus community. Gotta love that, don't (laughs) you? When uh, the department of justice starts to kind of sound like an activist group. It, it, I I just kind of feel like um, justice is supposed to remain somewhat objective, so, somewhat. You know, it can't it can't always be objective because human beings can't be objective, in my opinion. But you know, the I feel like justice is supposed to be as objective as humanly possible. <laughs> like you're not supposed to sit up there. Okay, justice is not a judge sitting up somewhere and being like, oh well, you know, because you like you know, look like this. I don't like people that look like this. So even though you're not guilty, I'm going to send you to jail. Like, that's not, that's not justice. Like, there has to be some sort of objectivity to that. Um, And, you know, declaring that you're going to continually, aggressively challenge all forms of discrimination and unlawful barriers faced by a specific group, you know, that's nice and all. It's just, there's really not forms of discrimination and unlawful barriers faced by the LGBTQI plus community like there's really that's like when people claim like that there's currently laws in place like that are systemically racist like actual laws right now that are systemically racist um and the reality is is that uh there's really not I mean, unless you count affirmative action, which, you know, is ridiculous in its own right. But I'm just kind of like, you know, I I don't like that the Department of Justice sounds like a college activism group. I don't like it. It doesn't it doesn't instill confidence. It doesn't instill the confidence that I feel like I should be able to have in my country's Department of Justice. That's what I'm going to say to that. Anyways, the press release goes on to state that on April 29th, 2022, the Justice Department intervened in a lawsuit challenging a law in Alabama, Senate Bill 184 from last year. Okay. And this bill imposes a felony ban on medically necessary care for transgender minors. As a result of that litigation, the most significant provisions of Alabama's Senate Bill 184 have been preliminarily halted from going into effect, and the United States continues to challenge its constitutionality, which is pretty much exactly what they're going to try to do with Tennessee's bill. They're going to try and keep it held up in court for as long as humanly possible because they don't want it to become law. They don't want to protect our children. They want to continue to harm our children. And you know what? Um, You know, a lot of people don't see a problem with that. A lot of people in our government don't see a problem with that. And apparently, the Department of Justice certainly does not see a problem with that. So you know, that's that's all fine and dandy, whatever. Uh, according to U.S. News, um, and this article is from May of this year. These are the states that have banned gender affirming care or restricted it in some manner. Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, and West Virginia. Um, now some states have done this in a similar way to Tennessee. Um, you see that with Alabama, who is held up in court still to this day, um after their attempt last year. But let's talk about Arkansas, okay? They proposed a law that makes healthcare providers liable for civil action for up to 15 years after a minor turns 18 if they performed a gender transition procedure on that minor, essentially making it easier to file malpractice lawsuits in these situations. On that note, experts say that the law acts as a de facto ban on gender-affirming care for children because it makes it nearly impossible for providers to get malpractice insurance, according to the Associated Press. The state previously tried to ban gender-affirming care for youth outright, but the move is currently blocked by a federal judge. Ah! Try to protect children outright, and you're just going to get blocked by the federal government. Because the federal government loves your children so much... They want to make your children into something that they were not ever meant to be. I continue to question, on a regular basis, how exactly it is that these people get an ounce of sleep at night. Because, see, um, I, I like to think that I have relatively sound morals and values, right? I, ha- I have a pretty good value system when it comes to um, what's right and what's wrong. You know, and things aren't always black and white, but there are some things that are very clearly wrong and some things that are very clearly right. And, um, you know, I don't get very much sleep. At night you know I don't sleep very well so sometimes I just kind of question like how exactly do these people with skewed morals and values how do you get any sleep if I barely get any sleep how do you get any sleep and I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means but like oh my goodness like being okay with chopping off perfectly healthy organs on a child just because you want them to believe that they are a different gender than they are and you don't want to help them um differentiate between reality and feelings like i i don't i i I, (laughs) um that surpasses my understanding here guys okay (laughs) that's beyond um, my mental capacity to figure that out you know Uh, but just remember guys okay uh that the federal department of justice cares more about inclusivity than they do about protecting your children so, you know, just keep that in mind as we keep pretending like the federal government has our best interest at heart. And I know uh, a lot of you conservatives out there, you know that that's not true, but um, so some, some, people, some people still believe that the government is um, working for the best interest of the people and that is just simply not true. But in the same vein as the DOJ's inclusivity efforts, let's talk about DEI in general. Okay. Um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I, I just, I love how we now have an acronym for it after years and years and years of it being an issue. Um, you know, this tends to be the, the the way that things work. Um, you know, everybody like was in an uproar (laughs) what last year, the year before, whenever it was, okay. Things blend together. But recently, Okay, within the last few years, people were in an uproar over critical race theory, right? As if it has not been in our schools, as if it has not been ingrained in our education system for probably decades, if not over a century, okay? These things take time to get to the point where they're at today. I'm just saying. Okay, we can like you cannot as a parent, as an individual, as whoever you are, you cannot look at the way that things are and pick one thing out and go, "Oh my goodness, this is so crazy. I cannot believe that this is happening. Um, I never saw this coming, but I like you you cannot act shocked when something like this is an issue because the reality is The only reason you're shocked is because you didn't know about it like you know (laughs) you're not shocked because it was impossible you're not shocked because it was unfathomable you're not shocked because there was no way this could have possibly happened you're shocked because you just didn't notice it these things take time indoctrination or whatever you want to call it, okay, in the education system, like, putting things in curriculum, getting people for the last couple generations to believe a certain thing, And to, you know, regurgitate certain information a specific way, that takes time. That takes effort and that takes time. That is not an overnight occurrence. That is not, oh my goodness, I just noticed critical race theory. It must have only been around for the last year. We really need to crack down on this as if it hasn't been an issue for decades. As if the ideology behind some of these things has not been around for centuries has not been discussed in the open, in books, and in the academic realm for decades. Like, we we just, I really just, it's, a, it's an irritation of mine personally that we pretend that these things are, like, new, and <laughs> it's a revolutionary thought <laughs> to be like, oh my goodness, they're trying to, you know, mess with our kids. <laughs> and it's like, uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I, if you're trying to infiltrate a group of people or uh, you know if you're trying to inculcate people with a certain ideology if you're trying to do anything I mean kids are very impressionable kids are a very vulnerable population okay that's why when you look at the family hierarchy okay um, just in a typical typical family okay you've got mom and a dad and children Say so that's the that's the outline there okay who is on the front lines ideally okay the father, the man of the household. Okay, if the father is not there, then there's the mother. And if the mother's not there, children are left with no protection because the reality is that they are children. They are not responsible for being the protector of their mother or the protector of their father. Okay, they are what we are supposed to be protecting. There, there, there's a little line there for a reason. Okay, things work best a certain way. But I'll move on. Um, You know, kid, kids are vulnerable. That's the gist of it. And we need to stop acting shocked when people go after our kids. There's a reason they're doing that. It's, it's the easiest way to achieve a goal <laughs> is to get the kids. Uh, because eventually the kids are going to grow up and they're gonna be the ones leading the country. Eventually the kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna be the ones voting. Eventually the kids are gonna grow up and they're gonna be the ones in the workplace and they're gonna be the ones okay, and it just it's just how it is. Okay? I'll digress from my little rant now though. Um <laughs> maybe getting a little too heated for some of y'all, you know, not cheery enough. I tend to get that way. I'm not a very cheery person, but it's all right. Anyways, I I, I go off on that rant though, okay, because the thing is is like this this is not A crazy thing that's happening we should all know that this is happening at this point because there's there's new stories out all the time of dei situations going on in the workplace you know employees being forced to take part in mandatory implicit bias training okay students in university uh you know courses being forced to take you know privilege tests okay i had to take Uh, A check my privilege test as part of like a mandatory, you know, inclusivity training during my freshman year of university. And it's just like, it's like, why? Why? Like, thankfully, I, you know, was strong enough in my own like morals and values and understanding of the world when I went into the university system to be able to like navigate my way through certain things that kept being shoved down my throat. But not everybody is prepared for that. And not everybody understands why they should be prepared for that. And there's a lot of um, parents out there who, unfortunately, don't understand what they're sending their children into, because the university system is a lion's den when it comes to your children. Especially for those of you who homeschooled your kids or sent your kids to a Christian school that actually upheld Christian values. Okay, not not just one that called themselves a Christian school. Okay, because if they didn't have the opportunity to get to your kids when they were uh, in the K through 12 grades, okay, they're not going to stop attempting once they get to college, they're just going to double down and keep attempting to get to your child, okay, and to convince your child of what they want them to believe, but, you know, whatever, anyways, new story here, okay, (laughs) One of probably, like, a million that come out every week regarding DEI stuff. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, okay? Got East Tennessee State University, or ETSU, all right? Um, they have joined Moonshot for Equity, which is a public-private partnership program that pretty much, like, its goal is to close equity gaps in the realm of higher education. Okay, we've all, we've all seen the, that, little, uh, that little example picture that they use to demonstrate the difference between equality and equity, right? Okay, you got the three people trying to see an event over a little barricade wall, and um, on the equality part of the picture, it shows everybody has the same size box to stand on, even though they're all different heights. So the shortest one still can't really see, right? Okay, but they all have the same box, okay? That's equality. And then you have the other picture down there that's like, but this is equity. Isn't it so great? Um, And you have all the people in the picture can see the event at the same height because they have different size boxes. The shortest person there has the tallest box and the tallest person there has the shortest box. And the point is, is that equity is seeking to achieve the same outcome. It's not the same opportunity. It's the same outcome. Which, you know, is just impractical for one. But, you know, whatever. Anyways, um, this Moonshot for Equity program, right? Um, they have schools partnered with them out of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Louisiana, Wisconsin, Colorado, Oregon, and Kentucky. Um, and now Tennessee, thanks to ETSU. Um, I feel like when we report on stuff like this, Okay, when the media reports on DEI stuff, it's like this- you have to make it sensational. You have to be like, isn't this shocking? So that people go, oh my gosh, it's shocking! This is crazy! This is happening? But the reality is, is that it's not shocking, it's not crazy. We know, or at least we should know, that this is happening. I'm like, how how many individual stories about individual universities do you have to see before you realize that it's more than just the one that you're reading about on a particular day? It's the vast majority of colleges and universities, okay? Because they all have their little office of diversity and equity, okay? Or their little office of... Inclusion and diversity, or diversity and inclusion, or equity, (laughs) like, you know, whatever they want to name it, right, they all have it, okay, with a very, very small exception, maybe New St. Andrews College, or New College in Franklin. Well, I don't know why it's all the ones with the "new" in the name, but I'm I'm sure there's a few that don't have that office. Okay, but a lot of them have that office, and a lot of companies have that office. We'll sit here and we'll ask ourselves why certain ideologies have taken over the workplace, and it's like, well, because we've allowed them for decades now to take over the school system. Okay, and now you have people graduating, um, and you know, coming out of the school system with this ideology. And what are they supposed to do with it? They believe it now. So, of course, they're going to implement it in other aspects of their adult lives, including in the workplace. Anyways, Moonshot for Equity, okay, uh, requires each school that's kind of under its partnership belt to deploy Moonshot for Equity's 15 best practices and policies proven to substantially boost equity and to be mutually beneficial to their student populations. Um Proven how? I don't know. Proven where? I don't know. That's just what they say. Each institution must also collect and share data with other partnered institutions, convene with the network quarterly, and adhere to the initiative and implementation timetable established by Moonshot for Equity. Um, Through this partnership, universities are supposed to analyze all the aspects of their institution and find all the equity gaps in okay so so that includes looking at policies and processes regarding admissions financial aid advising student engagement and climate I guess the the climate on campus I, I social climate I don't know uh, but what whatever okay they look at all that stuff and they figure out how they can rework those areas in order to close any what they deem to be equity gaps right um, you know, It's pretty stupid, Uh, but, you know, it's fine. ETSU is not alone in this. Moonshot for Equity is not the only organization offering these services or these partnerships. Okay, there's a lot of them out there. There's ones for businesses, specifically. There's uh, organizations like Moonshot for Equity that are used by city councils. Okay, when they're they're deciding how their city is going to run, they check in with a diversity and equity and inclusion organization to make sure that they're making the right decisions for their city. The right equity decisions. So, I mean, this is not a one-off situation. And I think that at this point, we all know that it's not a one-off situation. Um, Also, uh, at this rate, ETSU is on, uh, on track to achieve... Uh, A fully built out DEI infrastructure to match that of University of Tennessee at Knoxville's uh, DEI infrastructure within the next three years. So, you know, if you're a student at ETSU, just uh, know what you're getting yourself into, I guess. Um, Yeah. Uh, And the the other thing, the the thing that prompted me initially to discuss this uh, today was my best friend. She is a graphic design major at a university down in Florida, and she is actually graduating (laughs) this weekend, and I'm extremely proud of her, but she recently was privy to some information that I don't know why she was privy to to begin with. Um, She was just, you know, in a position to overhear a faculty meeting, which you would think would be privately held behind closed doors, but, you know... To each their own. Anyways, um, so this college that she attends had their faculty meeting, and the entire time she was sending me little snippets of conversation that she was hearing from the faculty uh, present at this meeting. So this is just some of the things that were said. (sighs) We need to hire more students. We have so few African-American students, it's embarrassing. Right now we have a block of Hispanics, but it's hard to retain them because of their home life. We have to work harder to reach out and have more diversity. All of this from her overhearing a faculty meeting. Now, okay, and you can look at that and you can very clearly tell that this is an attitude that comes out of the university's DEI efforts. This is an attitude that comes out of their DEI initiative. Okay? But does that not sound bad? (laughs) Okay, the motivations behind this stuff is not, well, everybody should get along. It's not, well, everybody should, you know, be understanding of individual circumstances. And, you know, everybody should, you know, work and learn and, you know, just exist together. It's literally such a divisive ideology. It really is. But... (laughs) I'm just like, I cannot believe that this came out. I, I can. I, I very much can believe that this came out of a university faculty member's mouth. But it's just insane that we're like just letting this happen. Because her school is not the only one with faculty and staff having these kinds of conversations. Okay, It's just ridiculous. Anyways, <laughs> some other things that were said. Comm um, week was so white, we need to do better at picking speakers. I never want that to happen again. Let's think of diversity as an important piece of this. And the person who is supposedly saying all of these things was a white woman. Was she liberal? I'm just going to go with the yes. I feel like it's quite obvious. Um, You know, just more evidence that white liberals seem to be just, you know, completely like, the idea of what racism actually is just goes right over their heads. In one ear, out the other. I don't think they know what it- I I don't think they know what racism is. I'm not even sure that the left does not know what racism is at this point. I mean, that was clear with (laughs) white fragility. Okay, that that was made very clear. Okay, they keep redefining racism so that it only applies so that it can only be done by white people. Okay? Uh, Even though that is not what racism is, but, you whatever. They're working real hard to change the definition of that word. Uh, And they have been for a hot minute now. So, yeah. But I'm not kidding. Those things were said by a staff or faculty member, whoever was leading this faculty meeting, at my friend's private college in Florida. Okay? And we really need to get a grasp on the fact that these are the people who are educating our kids. These are the people who are educating kids freshly out of the house, who have not had the opportunity to figure things out for themselves yet. That's why they're going off to college. This is the time where they start figuring things out for themselves. And then they're being bogged down by this ideology that's just being shoved down their throat every day. And if they don't realize... That it's being shoved down their throat every day because there's our powers that be that want them to believe if they don't realize what's happening, they're gonna probably end up believing it. So, people need to be aware. Anyways, um, addressing okay, a little story about how this obviously, you know, gets pushed right into the workplace after college. Okay, the Florida Standard recently put out an article. That says, Florida hospital promotes employee segregation based on skin color, gender, s- and sexual preferences. One of the nation's largest public health care systems claims that dividing staff into different identity groups will promote a positive, supportive, and inclusive environment. Ooh, goody. I love positivity and supportive and inclusive environments. The question is, what are they supportive of and what are they inclusive of? Oh, not conservative values not christianity not 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 your not your skin color if it's not darker than you know a tan white person even though skin color you know and nationality like and all that stuff and like race like it, it's not it doesn't even go hand in hand but yeah sure let's just base everything off skin color <laughs> why not that's not racist um Memorial Healthcare Systems Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, there you go, there's their office, um, has distributed brochures promoting groups for Black, female, Latino, and LGBTQ employees. Memorial is one of the largest public healthcare systems in the nation and is home to one of the largest hospitals in Florida, according to their website. Now, these networking groups, okay, are strictly voluntary because uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor in Florida... He has previously passed legislation that has pretty much, you know, I mean, he didn't pass it. He signed the legislature's bill that pretty much told employers that they cannot force this type of stuff on their employees. But I'm just kind of like sitting here, and from where, from what, the way I see it, okay, how do you get people to see segregation as a good thing? Oh, you call it a safe space. Or you say, it's a way for you to get to know people who know you. And it's a, it's a way to create a positive work environment. How do you get people to segregate themselves? Like, it's ridiculous. I'm like, H- how do you get people to segregate themselves and call segregation a good thing? I mean, it's pretty clear from, like, have you seen those videos, okay, that go go viral every once in a while on, like, conservative parts of the internet, where it's, like, uh, some random girl on a college campus screaming at some white people because, you know, this is a person of color safe space. This is a POC space. And there's too many white people in here. I'm starting to feel unsafe. Y'all have the rest of the campus for your safe space. This is our safe space. And it's, like... Okay, so you're willingly segregating yourselves. Like I don't understand it. But it's a safe space, guys. So it's a good thing. It has nothing to do with, you know, segregation, even though that's exactly what segregation is. Separating people like that. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's so fine. But let's get into our last topic of the day, guys. Okay? Let's talk about Stephen Crowder. So, um for those of you who don't know Stephen Crowder, Uh, He was the voice of Arthur at some point as a child. So there's that fun fact. But he's been a comedian and he's been uh, in the conservative commentary sphere for a hot minute now. Um, He's got Louder with Crowder. He's got the Mug Club. Um, I'm sure you've at least seen his Change My Mind segments where he goes on to college campuses, props up a little table, says change my mind on blah, 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 blah. Okay. And then he just like, you know talks to a bunch of people who decide to come up and argue with him <laughs> or agree with him whatever it just ends up depending on the person but um here's the thing steven has been doing this thing over the last couple months where he kind of like he picks a spot right and then he digs a little hole for himself and then he goes like two inches to the right and then he digs another little hole for himself And then he keeps doing that, okay, all in the same general area. Uh, And see, eventually, if you do that enough times, all those little holes are going to, like, cave in on each other. Uh, So now, what it looks like to me, like, from where I'm sitting, it looks like Steven Crowder's kind of dug himself this gigantic hole on accident, and I do not see how he's going to get out of it. But that is just me. Um, You know, I've never been a hardcore fan of Crowder okay? Uh, But I did always enjoy his Change My Mind segments. I would tune in occasionally to the Louder with Crowder show uh, because, you know, while his humor and the humor of most of the guys that go on his show is not necessarily my sense of humor, like, I do appreciate uh, some of the different takes that he tends to have because his show, I guess, tends to be a little bit more edgy. (laughs) Um, And not edgy in, like, any sort of like crazy manner, but just not as pristine as something like you know what's put out by the Daily Wire. You know, like there there's some different takes, I guess, and you know different use of language. Like it, it's just a different vibe, right? Okay, so uh, I don't think I'm necessarily the proper demographic for Crowder's show, but I do see why people watch him, and I have enjoyed uh, parts of his content in the past. And I do, or I have, <laughs> let's be clear, I have respected him for certain aspects of his content. But, um, you know, in the last few months, he's just dug himself a hole. So there was the whole situation, I think back in January, I don't remember if it was then or not, but it, it, was, it was a hot minute ago. Uh, he pretty much got on his YouTube channel, and his everything else, and was like, Big Con! Big Conservative is in bed with Big Tech, and I'm not going to tell you what publication or what company I'm talking about, but they're a dirty, dirty company, and they do dirty, dirty business, and they're in bed with Big Tech, and they offered me a crappy contract. Wah. Um, so, yeah. So that that was something he decided to do. <laughs> something he decided to put out into the world and then the daily wire uh was like yeah so by the way even though you know crowder won't come out and say it because he's a wimp you know a wimp that used to be our friend you know uh but he's a wimp who doesn't know what friendship is but he's a wimp um but we're good friends and he's a bad friend obviously and a wimp that's just kind of what the daily wire's response sounded like to me personally. Anyways, the Daily Wire came out and was like, yeah, he's talking about us. Um, And they did their whole little thing and there was like a back and forth and it was ridiculous and immature on both sides, if you ask me. Um, Kind of put me off on both sides. I I enjoyed Crowder's content. I really enjoyed a lot lot of the Daily Wire's content. But honestly, that whole situation was just kind of like ridiculous and bothered me (laughs) and kind of made me not watch either of their content for like several weeks <laughs> as much as I could avoid it um there were certain topics where I did watch because I needed to know about the topic and what people were saying but like I I usually like I usually watch the Michael Knowles show or like listen to it like almost every day like <laughs> depending on what's going on in my life but like that's something i keep up with consistently after this whole debacle i just was like i don't want to hear any of y'all talk okay i am annoyed and disgusted by the immaturity of this situation um but yeah so that happened and um and i think a lot of people were like didn't really know I think a lot of people took sides, okay? But at the same time, there were a lot of people who were like, look, I don't really know what happened behind the scenes. I like both of these entities, like, both of these personalities. Uh, but at the same time, like, I think this person was right on this, and this person was maybe right on this, and whatever. So there, there was kind of a gray area in that scenario. Now, recently... Crowder started off one of his Loud Earth Crowder shows by announcing that his wife has in fact decided to divorce him. Um and, you know, he approached it in the manner of like, my wife has decided to divorce me. I kept it a secret. You don't know what it's like to be manipulated. Um but that's just the way it is. And, you know, I can't do anything about it because it's illegal for her to leave me. And he was very focused on the legal part, which people have kind of railed him about lately. But anyways, so he announced that his wife was divorcing him. And, you know, in turn, you know, people were like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, what happened? Like, everybody's like, you know, well, obviously, divorce is a crappy thing. It's a sad thing. Okay, you don't like seeing it happen. You don't like seeing a relationship dissolve um, or, you know, turn ugly. So, I mean, obviously, people were like, okay, well, that sucks. Um, and then a video came out. Uh, it was, like, ring doorbell footage or something along those lines. Ring camera footage um, of a conversation between Stephen Crowder and his wife, Hillary, Crowder or now ex-wife, I guess. Um, And in the video, Steven does not look very good. He says a lot of things and acts in a way that is very emotionally abusive. And in the video, at the time of the video, his wife was still pregnant. She had not um, given birth yet. And um, yeah, it just, it looks really bad. There's headlines all over the place, particularly from, you know, left-leaning sources, so, you know you've got the daily mail saying broken marriages are ugly and in them people do ugly things. Political commentator, Steven Crowder doubles down as he claims wife leaked edited video of his verbal abuse and now vows to release sealed mental health history. So he's just digging an even further hole for himself. Okay. Because he does, I'm sorry. uh, Taking that approach does not look good. Okay. That does not make you look like a better person. Just saying Um, there's the independent says, Effing watch it. Video shows conservative Christian podcaster Stephen Crowder allegedly berating his now ex-wife. Um, Newsweek says Stephen Crowder's latest video slammed. Apologize to your wife, is what people are saying or whatever. Um, somebody has the title on the New York Post. Stephen Crowder wife rant video reveals pathetic pattern of abuse. And that includes interviews with ex-staff who have also made allegations against Crowder in recent months. So he's just, you know, he's got a pretty big hole to dig himself out of, pretty much. And given his response to the leaked doorbell ring, whatever footage, okay, given his response to that footage being uh, publicized, it doesn't seem like he's even, like, analyzing the situation for how to best get himself out of it. Like, I'm just like, how do you think that, like, <laughs> attacking your ex-wife's mental health is going to bode for you in light of what was in that video? Like, I, I just don't understand. You can look the video up for yourself if you haven't seen it. Um, it's pretty much everywhere, so it's not that hard to find. Um, what takes place in it is pretty gross, pretty disgusting. It's uncomfortable to watch. It's just, it's nothing, like, horrifying physically. It's just uh, Crowder very clearly, emotionally, like, manipulating and berating Hillary Crowder. But, yeah, my thing here is, like, that, that is the footage that we have. I'm not gonna come to the rush uh, defense of Steven Crowder, but I'm also not gonna condemn him for sure. At the moment, there's a lot of things that look bad for him. Um, So, I would say it's probably pretty likely that he is not uh, the great person that a lot of people have been led to believe over the amount of time he's been in the public sphere. However, um, this is the only video footage we have. Is this, I think it's like two, three minute clip from their ring footage. Like, it's not you don't know what the context was because you can look at that and you can say what he's saying is manipulative the way he's acting is terrible a husband should not treat his wife that way but it's also like you don't know what the rest of their relationship entailed you don't know um what she was like behind closed doors you know and it might be pretty evident that you know she's perfectly normal and he's the abusive one you know because he hasn't released any footage of her being emotionally abusive but the reality is so you just don't know you don't know what goes on in people's private relationships um unless they're on like big brother and airing everything out to the world right so i'm just waiting to see what else comes out i think that a lot of people have taken to either uh defending steven or like being upset and being like you need to like i i don't know what your ego trip is you need to get down off of it and apologize and acknowledge that you screwed up um that's kind of been the public response (laughs) and i i just kind of feel like it it is their business It becomes not only their business when Crowder goes on his show and announces to his following that, you know, they are going through divorce and hints at why and kind of blames Hillary for leaving him and the law for letting her. Um, So, uh, you know, it is public now, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, you know, if it if. He is acting that way towards her, and if he was a crappy husband, then I don't blame her for leaving. Um, The reality is, though, that I don't know all the other aspects of their relationship. I don't know if it was like that from the beginning of things, or if he has only been like that for a few months, and then she just couldn't handle it anymore, or if he was, you know, what was going on? I don't know. You probably don't know. Most people probably don't know. Because we're not them, uh, so I'm just kind of sitting here like, why, why the overreactions from the internet? I mean, it's if it's true, it's crappy, but it's like, just you know, condemn the behavior, decide whether or not you're going to keep following Crowder and move on. Like, what, <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? Like, why, why are we fixating on this? Uh, because. If I was Hillary Crowder, I, I wouldn't want all eyes on me and my divorce situation. But, you know, that's just me, um, especially if I was the victim in that situation. You know, I'm not quite sure that I would want all, the, all that attention on things. That being said, I believe we have come to the conclusion of today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that you'll go listen to any of the other episodes that you haven't finished already. Um, If you're listening on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, subscribe to the channel, you know, turn those notifications on so you don't miss any amazing content in the future. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, I appreciate you and I hope you keep coming back. Just click that follow button, okay? Just click it because then you won't miss any future episodes it's crazy how that works it notifies you every time like on your phone like on the screen it just pops up and says hey (laughs) new episode of subtle rampage podcast i know it's crazy the things that we can do with technology now anyways um i'll be back next week see ya